Gemara Erubin has been sponsored by Mr. Isaac Jamal and his wife Celia for their success, for their children's success, health, happiness, beracha, parnasav, atzlaha, bechol maaseh yedehem. Daf Nunhe. Today's daf has been dedicated by Mr. Ike Shchebar in honor of the rabbi. This kilim its Ike. Today's Gemara is being studied by Ilun Ishmat, Abraham ben Esther, and Hacham Baruch, Rafael ben Miriam. Ruach Hashem Tanihim Began Eden. Amen. We are starting today's Gemara on the bottom of Nundalid. And we are going to begin one, two, three, four, five lines from the bottom. Amad of Hizda. Al-Hazah said, in Torah niknit ela bisimmanim. Torah cannot be acquired or remembered unless one makes signs for his learning. Which means after he gets the halachot or the text, so he makes like mnemonics or different ways to remember his limud. Shene Emar, as the Pasuk says, sima bifihim. That you must place the Torah in their mouths. Al sima ela simana, meaning make signs. Shama Rav Tachlifa mimagarava. So Rav Tachlifa from the west heard this. Azali went amrakamed Rababu. He went in front of Rababu and said, Amar atun mehatam matnitula. You learn it from that pasuk. We learn it from a different pasuk. And the pasuk says, "Hatzivi lecha siyunim, simi lecha." Is that pasuk is in Yirmiyahu? So Yirmiyahu is saying, "Hatzivi lecha siyunim, asut siyunim la Torah." Siyunim is signs or markers, which means the Navi is telling Bnei Israel. Of course, this is not the pshat of the pasuk. But the name is, is, make tziyuni, make different signs in order that you will remember your learning. So the Gemara asks, How do you know the word tziyun refers to a sign? So the Gemara says, Because the Pasuk says, It says, And they found a bone of a person, like a grave, let's say, and they built a marker over it. So you see, a tziyun is a marker. So therefore, the same thing when it comes to the learning, you make different tzimanim uh, signs in order to have a quick way to remember the limud. So it says the B, let's, let's see if they change that word, that would be the B l'azar. The B l'azar amar mehacha. Emor tikra. So the pasuk says, Say to the Chokhmah, you are my sister, which another Gemara learns from that, that you have to know the Gemara as clear, you have to know Halakha as clear as you know that your sister is forbidden to you. That's how clear you have to know your Halakha. You have to say when it regards Chokhmah, you're like my sister. But our Gemara is Doresh, the second part of the Pasuk. And you should call out to the wisdom. But what does the word Moda mean? Again, make different signs in order that you should know the Torah. 
Rava Amar Ase Mu'adim La Torah. So Rashi learns this. What does it mean? Make Mu'adim, make times for Torah. So the bottom Rashi says, Kav'u Itim Le Talmidchim. Set times for the students. Shi'ru Et Labo Vilishnot. So they'll know what time the shi'ud is. So they'll know what time to come and learn. It means you have a schedule. So the Gemara is teaching over here, Asim Mu'adim La Torah. You have to have a schedule so everybody knows exactly when to come and they'll be able to learn. Gemara continues, Vahainu De'amar Avdimi Barhama Bardosa. My Dikhtiv, what does it mean in the Pasuk? Lo Bashamayimhi. So the Torah is not found, not in the Shammai, not in the sky, not in the heavens. Nor over the, over the rivers. Implying that what? Because if it was in the heavens, you'd have to go up to the heavens and bring it down. And if it was indeed over the waters, which means the Torah's, uh, the Hadush of, uh, of Avdimi is that you have to toil and exert yourself in order to remember the Torah no matter what. Which means you have to make simmanim, you have to do all different type of uh, uh, systems in order to remember the Torah, strategies that she says, in order to remember the Torah. And Rav Abdimi supports this from the diyuk, which means the Torah is telling you it's not in the Shamayim. Implying what? That if it was in the Shamayim, got to go up there, and you got to get it, which means no matter what you have to do in order to acquire Torah, you must do it. So therefore, in this case, we're telling you, make simmanim. Don't forget your learning. Do anything that you can. So even if you have to climb the heavens to get it, so that would also be uh, the same thing. When you learn from over here, that if Bore Olam told us to learn Torah, it's got nothing to do with memory over here anymore. Which is, they're telling you that there's ways now to go and uh, uh, do different methods in order to keep your, to retain your learning. Make some money, review your learning, and things like that. Which is, they're not only expecting a person to learn it once, and automatically uh, remember it. On the contrary, you have to do different methods in order to retain the uh, learning. And then already, he will succeed. Comes again and says, Rabba Amar, different Terasha, Lo Bashamaimi, Lo Timsa, Bemish Megbiya, Dato Aleha, Kashamaim. You're not going to find the Torah on people that are like the Shamaim, that are arrogant, that are inflated, that, are, that elevate themselves like the Shamaim. Or something that is broad like the ocean, which is also like Gaba. Um, or the, uh, the, the, the Maharsha explains this, he explains it as follows, which means he thinks that his uh, mind is smarter than the Torah, in the sense that he just hears it once and he doesn't have to review. He thinks, uh, you know, he's so smart that he doesn't have to review what he learned. He heard it one from the, once from the rabbi, already he knows it. So that's, lo layam. The Torah is not by people that think that they're, you know, broad like the, like the yam. It's also ga'aba. Rabbi Yohanan Amar, lo bashamayimi. Rabbi Yohanan said, lo timsa begaseruah. Like we said, you will not find the Torah by the arrogant people. Ve lo layamhi. Lo timsa lo besachranim velo betagarim. You're not going to find 
greatness in Torah by the Sahranim. And she says, Mahzirin Ba'ayarot. Those are those people that have to travel from city to city to sell their wares. Again, those are the businessmen, the peddlers. Why? Because they're so busy going from place to place. And we learned in yesterday's daf that the Torah is only learned by people that are nir'eh nir'eh. People that are seen and not seen, meaning they're not so uh, in, the, in the market. They're in the Beit Midrash, they're sitting and learning. But the businessmen, they don't have time to sit in the Beit Midrash. They're constantly traveling and they're going from place to place. So with the Pasus of Elohim, those people have to travel, they have to go uh, constantly on uh, trips and things like that. You will not find greatness in Torah because they cannot expend the uh, time in the Beit Midrash like it should be. Now the Gemara continues back to the Mishnah. Tanur Abbanan. Now we learned in our Mishnah that when a person lives in a city, the whole city is considered Arba'amot, the Anyan, the Tehum. Which means you count the 2,000 Amat from the end of the city. <coughs> our Mishnah discussed making an Ibur to the city. What is an Ibur? Making an extension to the city, which means if there are different, let's say, ha- homes that protrude outside the city, so you go to the last house, and from there you're able to count the 2,000. So now the Mishnah, the Baraita, is going to give us different scenarios on how to make those extensions to the city. How do we extend the cities? If it is a long city, Kemot Shehi, like it is. The Gemara will explain what are we talking about, a long city like it is. We will wait for the interpretation of the Gemara. Agula, if the city is round, Osin La Zaviyot. So we make for it Zaviyot, which would be corners. That already you can look at 192. So you have the city that is round. So you see, make a square around the uh, circle, circular city. And you'll get the advantage of the corners. So therefore you can carry, uh, not carry, you could walk 2,000 amma even from the corners. Now, meruba'at, if it is square, en osim la zaviyot. If it's a square city, you don't have to make uh, corners, because it has corners already. The Gemara will ask the obvious question, what if it's a square city? Square already. What do I need a Gemara to tell me that you don't make a corners? What, you don't make a square around the square? I will explain that. If let's say the city's structure was wide on one side, and narrow on the other side, so we look at it as if it is equal, meaning you look at picture number 193, where you see, okay, you want to call that a trapezoid, but you can see it's wide on the bottom, and it's narrow on the top. So what they're doing is, they're drawing a line from the wide all the way up in order to square it off so it is a perfect square and you count the 2,000 amma from the outside of the square. Okay? Like we learned earlier, if let's say you have one house that protrudes like a pagum. Pagum is that circular tower that let's say... Uh, was at the border of the city, so it protrudes, so we learned earlier, you draw a line 
from the protrusion straight down, and that's where your eruv starts. Or shnebatim yotzim. Or let's say you have two homes that protrude, kimin shnepigumim, like two uh, towers, those circular towers. Lo in otan kiilu chut We look like there's a string that is drawn from them. Umoded mimenu ulhalal alpaim amma. Like we learned earlier again, you just, even though there's some houses that are inside, and these, let's say, buildings protrude, you draw the line from the protruding building straight down to include the protrusion. But it's a straight line. You do not draw a zigzag line. It's, it's a straight uh, border. Now, the Gemara is going to ask the obvious question. If you tell me one building is protruding, why do you have to tell me two buildings protruding? If even one protruding wall, you get the extra uh, space on the outside, so of course, of course you can if you have two buildings. So the Gemara will explain exactly what the Hadush in that case was. Hayta asuya kimin keshet. Let's say the uh, structure of the city was made like a bow. Keshet is a bow. That, if you look at picture 194, okay, so you see uh, the Hadush in the Gemara, what the Gemara is going to say is that the airspace, Beyond the bow, where there's no homes, we're going to consider it as if it is filled with homes, and therefore you draw the straight line across the entire uh, area, I'll call it where the bowstring would be, and you draw a whole line across, and that would be considered your uh, line for the eruv. Okay, even though there is no uh, people living in that spot, it is considered the border Nonetheless, so that's the case of Asuya Kimin Keshet. No, you don't square it off, he's saying. We'll see in the Gemara. The Gemara on, on Amud Bet will discuss uh, the squaring of the Keshet. But for our purposes now, we're just going to finish the line off. We're going to finish the line off. Now, O Kimin Geem. Now, what is a Geem? Or a Gam. Or Gamma. That's the, uh, one of the Greek letters. As she tells us, and it looks like a uh, a chaf, like a chaf sofit, uh, or you want to look like like the letter L. That would be number one ninety five. One ninety five. If you have these uh, city that looks like that, so it's an incomplete square. So what you do is you fill in the square, which means in the empty spot, the the the, the bottom line you continue across. And on one of the sides you go down in order to make the box that's missing, and you have 2,000 amma from the, uh, from the, uh, from the, from those new borders. Ro'in ota ki'ilu abatim So you look at the empty area of both the keshet and the gam, as if it's filled with homes and courtyards. Umoded mimena ulhalan alpaim amma. Now, that was the complete Braita. Now the Gemara is going to go back and analyze all the cases of the Braita. Amar Mor, we learned in the Braita, Aruka Kemochi. If you have a city that's long, Kemochi, you judge it according to the way it is. Gemara says, Pshita. What would I think? That you cut a city? You only judge half the city? What do you mean, Kemochi? What's the case? So Gemara says, Lord Sericha Da'aricha Vekatina. We're talking about where the city is rectangular. It's aroch and katan, meaning you have a long uh, length, let's say, and a short width, which is the shape of a rectangle. Ma'udetema, I would have thought, 
I would say, even it out maybe, which means turn the rectangular, I would have thought, into a square. For example, picture number 196. I would have thought that, you know, extend the uh, sides to make them long, that are going to be equal to the length, and therefore now you have a square, and then you can carry 2,000 amma from the square. That's what all I have thought. That no, that since already uh, in a rectangle, you have corners already. So you don't have to now make a uh, square. So therefore, uh, you leave it as it is. Now, I want to point out to you that the whole reason why we're even discussing making these items a square. For example, the circular city put a square. And where do we get this from? So if you remember the source of Eruf Tehomim was from a pasuk that had the word in it, Pe'at. Had the word in it, corners. And we learned on in the previous Dapim that for all the laws of Shabbat, Lechol Shoftesh Shabbat, for all the laws of Shabbat, we always learn them regarding Pe'ot, regarding corners, which means it's all square measurements. So that's why we're always saying over here that you have to have Pe'ot. So if that's the source, a rectangle has Pe'ot already. You don't have to create square Pe'ot as it's rectangular Pe'ot. Next case. If the city is square already, you do not have to make it corners. So the Gemara says, Peshita. What do you of course not? It's Merubat already. It says, Which means it's square, but it's not facing the directions of the world. Which means it's on a slant, meaning it's like a diamond. If you look at picture number 197, you see the square, but the, uh, the, the, the directions obviously are in a slant, so it's not north, south, east, west. So therefore, you might have thought to draw a box around it to make it the directions of the ulam, and then you can walk from the, you know, from the outer box. Mm-hmm. I might have thought to make a square around it. To make it the directions of the olam, kamash mahalan. No, bottom line, you keep it as it is, and the two thousand ama are from the uh, city itself. Now, comes the Gemara and says, "Haya bayutehad yotze kimin pagum." If let's say one tower or house extends like a pagum, the reason why the Gemara says a pagum, pagum is a circular tower. A circular tower protrudes because it has that, you know, the circular part to it. So therefore it says, if one house protrudes from the city, from the wall of the city, like two towers. So the Gemara you told me one house already extends the border. Two houses, you have to tell me, that's, that's, um, that's Koshiken. We're talking about, where let's say you have the two homes protrude on two sides. For example, let's say you have on the um, on the east side, let's say, on the top, you have one protrusion. That would be, let's say, on the what I say, north on the east side. I said, so on the east side, let's say you have on the northeast, you have one protrusion, and in the southeast side, you have one protrusion. So now it's going on two sides. The protrusion helps you on the east side, but it also protrudes on the north side and on the bottom as well. The bottom protrudes again on the east, but it also protrudes on the South. So therefore the Hiddush is, it's on the corners. 
Hidush is what now? The Tema Miruah Hachat Amrinan. Mishteru Hotlo Amrinan. I might have thought that maybe you only extend one side, but you don't extend two sides. Kamash Ma'alam. That what? You can extend both sides. Therefore, when it's in the corners, you extend the east side as well and the north side because bottom line, it is affecting both sides. So that was the Hidush why it said Shnebatim, which means which means if you want to look in your pictures, we have a picture in the um, Hebrew art scroll, maybe in your English art scrolls as well. Very simple, I have it in number 17 over here. Well, you have your rows of homes. You have one house on the bottom, protruding, and one house on the top. The hadush is what? That you extend the, exact, the bottom wall, and you accept the top wall as well, which means you're getting two sides. Could be you say maybe you only extend one side, but you don't extend two. Maybe this hitter is only for one side, not two sides. You do it for both sides. Comes the Gemara and continues. Comes the Gemara and continues. Now we go to the Keshev case. We are Three lines after they get wide. Hayta asuya kimin keshet o kimin gam. Ro'in o taki iluhim mila abatim v'haserot. So you look at the uh, airspace in the keshet or in the gam as if it is filled with batim and haserot. Umoded mimenu halam alpaim aman. You measure from the end of it alpaim amma. Amaravuna ir asuya kekeshet. We have a city. That is constructed like a like a bow, right? If between the airspace of the bow, meaning from one side to the other side, if it's less than four thousand amma, meaning if you draw a line going across the airspace. Look at your care sheet, you'll see that in 198. The city is like a care sheet, go from one end of the city, draw a line to the other end of the city. If it's less than 4,000 amma, that airspace, so then you consider that you can carry from the yetir. Yetir literally means the bowstring, because this is considered the bowstring of the bow. So therefore you make a new border, meaning, I would have thought maybe you can only carry from the End of the city itself, from the orange line in this picture over here of 198. Maybe that's where you 2,000 Ammas start. Kamash Ma'alan, that even though there's no homes and there's no uh, dwellings in that airspace, we consider as if there is, and we draw a line at the tip of the bow, that would be the bowstring itself, and now your new border for all the people that are living in that city is the, is the bowstring, is the Yetet. Now, the Hadush of Ravuna is only if... The area is less than 4,000 amma. But if it's more than 4,000 amma, then already that does not become the border of the sea. The border is the actual bow itself. Meaning inside the orange line, which means the inner part of the bow, that's where the people are able to uh, uh, um, walk from. Uh, so the Yabarah will explain what the significance of the 4,000 is. But that's Rabhunaz Hindush. So comes the Yabarah and says, comes the Yabarah and says, And if it has more than 4,000 from point to point, 
Then already you two to two thousand is measured from the bow from the bow itself, not from the string. Umi The Gemara is going to challenge Rav Huna from another statement that he made. Another statement we're going to see that Rav Huna is going to hold that it's much less than four thousand amma. He's giving you a big shi'un now. If it's, four, if it's up to 4,000 amah, you can draw the bowstring and, and start your border from there. So the Kabbalah is going to challenge that and say, did he give you up 4,000? Did he give you up to that shi'ur? Ravuna said regarding a different case. Let's say you have the wall of the city that was nifratz. Breach, look at picture 199. Okay? Yeah, two cities. I'm sorry, you had one city. There was a wall that was, uh, you know, connecting the, the whole city, like a regular city, right? That what happened? It got breached. The wall broke. So now Ravuna has a hadush. He says like this. Mudidi humat ha'ir three lines on the bottom. Bime'a so the distance between the two broken walls, if it is 141 and a third, that is the shi'ud already that has the ability to separate the cities. Which means, if it's less than 141 and a third, so then already we're going to still consider it one long city, and therefore, if it's one city, what does that mean? That means the borders are for everybody at the end of both cities, because it's one big city. But if it has more than 141 and a third amma between, then already they're considered separate cities. So now each one can only start his border from the end of that specific city. The guys living on the right side cannot start their border all the way to the end of the second city that's next to them. No, their border ends, or their border starts from the actual city itself. But if you look in the picture, it'll start from, right, the wall itself, the end of their wall itself, of their, of their, of their uh, respective city. So you see, Ravuna gave you a much shorter cutoff point. Here, when it came to the Keshet, he told you if there's a, if the breach, is from one side of the Keshe to the other. If you have up to 4,000 amma, it's all considered filled in, it's all considered one. Here, where you had a, a city again, that also was breached, he tells you up to 141 and a third amma. So how could you tell me? Well, make up your mind. Is, is, the, is the cutoff point 141 and a third amma, or is it 4,000? Now, we will see where this shiur of 141 and a third comes from. But that's the number... He's telling you now. So that's the stira in Ravuna. What is considered a significant uh, breach to break the cities? So comes the Gemara and says. Comes the Gemara and says. Amar Ravabarula. says. La kasha. No question. Kan beruach achat. Kan mishteruchot. So look at uh, Rashi, please. It is one, two, three, four, five lines on the bottom. Kan miruah ahat. One is talking about it's on one side. That's the case of the keshet. Ira asuya keshet, a city that's made in like a bow. Ena muvdelet ela miruah ahat. It's only separate from each other on one side. 
Hilkach alafim. Meaning, a keshet, the back of it is all walled. Right? It's just the front of the city, where the bowstring is, that's the area that's open. So when it's opened only on one side, so then already we give you the shield of what? 4,000. But the case of the two cities, it's talking about, if you look in your picture, it's opened up on both sides. So therefore, when you have two distinct cities that are opened up on both sides, then already the distance between them to separate them is going to be more than 141 and a third. In a keshet, a keshet is all connected. The back wall is all connected. It's all one city. It's just the front of it is open. So that's the hiluk. Again, we will see why is that mehalik in a moment. says, Okay, Ravuna, what is your hidush? Which means, you're telling me that when you have a city, and the wall was nifrats, the wall broke, so you tell me the number. The number is 141 and a third amah, that'll separate the two cities to give them each their own uh, border. So the Gemara is asking on Ravuna, what would you have to tell me that for? Isn't that obvious? Why is it obvious? So the Gemara says, Umay kamashma, what do you teach me? Dinotnim karpef lezu ve karpef lezu. Now let's, let's review the laws. A city, a city, besides having its border, wherever the last house is, we give every city an additional 70 and two-thirds ama beyond the city. That's called karpef ha'ir. That's like a uh, uh, an open area that we consider part of the city. Because every city also gets some space around the city for the people to, to walk around, you know, to store goods and things like that. So therefore, when we talk about the border of the city, it's never at the actual border. It's from the actual border, an additional 70 and two-thirds amah, and then we usually start the 2,000. That's called the karpef ha'ir. Now, in this case over here, in this case over here, where you have the two cities next to each other, so each city gets 70 and two-thirds amah, right? Now that the wall breached. So you get 70 and two-thirds amah on one city, right? You get 70 and two-thirds on the other city. Now, if it's more than that, so now it's going to be considered two distinct cities. If it's less than 140 and 141 and a third, so then already it's still considered one, which means the uh, the karpef is shared. But if it would more than be that, so then one city is giving, you're getting 72 thirds, and the other is getting a 72 thirds, already it is separate. So that's where he got the shi'ud from. So we're learning that what? That each city gets a karpef beyond its normal border. Now, we know that already, Davuna, which is, you yourself taught us that in a different deen. So the Gemara is going to ask now, Umay kamash ma'lan, which means, what were, you, what were you trying to teach us? Look at the bottom nashi, please. Umay kamash ma'lan. If you tell me, like the case we said, where the wall broke down, where it's, it's broken, so you have it open on two sides. Devadai kebet ayaroten. I mean, for sure it's considered like two cities. Which means, why did Rav Huna have to teach us the law that each city gets its own karpif of 70 and two-thirds amma? 
ושתי עיירות הסמוכות זו לזו נותנים כלפיו של שבעים אמה ושיריים לכל אחת. Because the deen is that each city does get 70 and two-thirds, להיות כעיר אחת. Which means it is considered like one city, כדי לחברם על ידי כלפיפיות הללו, לעשות כעיר אחת. Which means, the, as we're going to see in uh, Rav Huna, that if you have 70 and two-thirds between a city, two cities, it'll join both cities together. So that means so long as you have less than, like he just said, 141, each one doesn't have its own karpef, they join. Now you taught that to us already. So therefore, why would you have to teach it to us again in the case of the city that the wall broke? Where did Rav Huna teach us to us? Gemara says, you taught it to us already once. Where? Because we learned, Oh, when you come to measure the tomb, you give the city a karpif. Meaning you give it 70 and two-thirds amad. Divre, rabimi'ir. Ba'chamim omri, da'chamim come along and say, Lo amru karpif, ela ben shte ayarot. I said, no, the deen of karpif was said between two cities. What does this statement mean? Come on, I explain. The itma ravuna. Oh, ravuna came along and explained this mahlokit. Which means Ravuna comes along and says, You give each one its karpef, and still they are considered one. Which means that if you have the shi'ur of 72 thirds for one city, and 72 thirds to the city that's next to it, still the cities are considered united. Anything more... Then already the cities are considered separate. So we know this will tell us the deen. That what when you have two cities next to each other, you give it each its karpif and still it's going to be considered one. Now, the Hiyabarab Amar, Hiyabarab said, no. En notnin ela karpif Hiyabarab said, he's Mahmir. Well, he says that no, to consider the two cities one, you only get one karpif between them. Meaning you get 17 two thirds. Meaning it shares the same karpif. If it's no more than that, then they're considered distinct. But the point of Rav Huna was what? Two cities to be considered both, get their own borders plus their karpif, and they're still one. Which takes it to 141 and two-thirds. So what did he have to tell me that again in the case of the uh, city that the wall broke? Comes Gemara says, Sidiqa. You need that case. You need that case. Why? Gemara says like this. Because if you told me, by the case of these cities that were next to each other, and the wall broke, I'll tell you, you know why Rav Huna allows you to have such a distance between the two cities and still consider it one? Because originally it was one. Because originally the two cities were one before the wall broke down. So I would say in that case, Rav Huna is lenient. To give you 141 and a third Amma, where it started off as one, then broke, then I'll tell you, you can get two karpets and still consider the cities as one. Aval, Hatam, Emalo. But in a case where the cities were separate from the beginning, Maybe I'll tell you if it each has its own 
Karpef, maybe you cannot join them. So that's the Hadush that way. Understand the Hadush? Now the other way. And if you tell me the case of the two distinct cities, I'll tell you, Mishum didhika tashmishtayu. Rashi, didhika tashmishtayu. Bet ayarot mamash, two cities, didhika tashmishtayu behad karpef. Two cities, it's too tight for them to use one border, one seventy and two thirds. Each city needs their, uh, their park outside the city. So then when you have two distinct cities, then, then I'll tell you, you need the 140, even if you have 141, it's still considered one, because each city needs its space outside the city. That's Jesus Hilkach. Karpef mehashev lecholhad ki'ir gufa. I consider that each city gets its own karpef to be considered an extension of that city. Vechevan de sarichla, right? And since it's necessary, vehavi ki'ir, Right? It's an extension of the city. It's like a city. Ki mehabre beta karfifiyot. So when the two karfifiyot are attached to each other, kilo ayarot mehobarot damu. Because in two cities, each city needs its karpef. However, abal hacha telo dihika tashmishtayu emalo. Here in this case, it was all one city. They never needed a karpef. Because before the wall broke down, not the Keshet case. In the case of the, the, the one big city that the wall broke down, there was no, there was no purpose for the, uh, for the, uh, for the Karpev. They didn't have a Karpev at all. And therefore, you, I might have thought that when the wall breaks down, so maybe you don't get 141 for each side. You're giving them extra space that they never even needed. What's the proof? It was one long city. Did these guys have a Karpev in that spot? No, that spot over there was uh, was city for them. So the Hiddush is still, that even though they never had a Karpef, and they never needed a Karpef to use, still, once the wall breaks, you still get the 141 and the third, <coughs> and to consider it what? All one. So you mean in the case where it was two distinct cities, I can argue and tell you, yeah, they're already, each Karpef, is an extension of the city because the city needs that area for storage or usage, etc. Therefore, when you have two of them next to each other, it's still considered one, and therefore it's considered one long city. But in the case where you never had a karpef, they never needed a karpef, I might have thought you don't get two. Maybe only you get one. Kamash ma'lan, that when the wall breaks down, you still get the 141 amma. So comes the, Yamaran says, <coughs> says, Now the Gemara asks a different question. How much space do you have from the bowstring to the keshet, to the bow? Meaning back to this case of where the city is constructed like a bow. Okay? So look at picture, no, look at picture number 198. That will help you as well. Well, actually, I probably have a better picture there. You can look at picture number one, 202. 202 is actually this picture. 202. From the bow itself, we want to know this area. Inside, meaning from the bow string, that imaginary line that we're drawing, right? That we're considering it filled. How much area from the bow itself straight out to the imaginary line do you get to have? So the Gemara says, Rabba Baravuna Amar Al Paim Amma, two thousand Amma. 
means so long as it's 2,000 amah, not more, then already you get the extension. He says, I don't care how long it is, even if it's more than 2,000 amah. Makes sense like the opinion of Rabbah Bered Rabbah Baravuna that says what? Even if it is more than 2,000. Why? Because if he wants to get there, he can go through the houses. Meaning like this. One rabbi is telling you it's got to be 2,000 because you can't get there. You have to be able to get to the end of the end of the, end of the, end of the city, the imaginary bowstring. So if it's more than 2,000 Amah, you're not allowed to walk 2,000 Amah. The other rabbi says, no. I don't care how long it is, because I can always get to the bowstring. Because I can walk through the city. The city is all considered what? Amot. And therefore, if a guy wants to get to the end over here, he can just walk around the horseshoe, so to speak, and get to this spot over here. And now we begin to understand where the rabbi got the 4,000 Amah as well. Because since the 4,000 Amah in between, because a person could walk, let's say, all the way to the end. I don't care. That, that takes him to the end. Now, once he gets over here, he can walk from where he is, 2,000 amma this way. And if he's on the other side, he can walk, which is if it's less than 4,000 amma. So therefore, these two sides over here overlap each other. So therefore, it's considered an area where you can make the, uh, the most string. However, it's, if it's 4,000, so these guys can only walk to this point, to the 2,000. And the guys on the other side can only walk to the 2,000. So therefore, it's considered distinct areas. So therefore, if it's less than 4,000, it's considered already enough. To, so let's review the law of the uh, the city that is made like a keshet. If it's made like a keshet, Hadush is number one. The open area is considered housed. And therefore, towards the end of the city, you can make an imaginary line. That imaginary line is called the yetir, the bowstring. And that becomes the new border of the city. Ravunat taught us so long as there's less than 4,000 amah, in the uh, in the airspace, as opposed to the case of the two cities that were next to each other, where you had an opening on both sides, then already the shoot was 141 and a third. Okay, two karpefs, hindush being that what even though they never needed those karpefs, now that the space became uh, breached, so then each one gets stronger and they're still considered united. Here, however, it's all one city, so the hindush is what that you can have less than 4,000, we make the imaginary border. If not, then you go back to only walking from the bow itself. That being said, the distance from the bow to the string is unlimited. Because no matter how long it is, you'll always be able to access it via the houses. So therefore, you have no problem regarding that. Comes the Gemara and continues. Hayusham we learned in the Mishnah, if let's say at the end of the city, you have a, uh, a building that was, uh, or once was a building, then it became dilapidated, and you have the walls, the structure is still up, and it has walls that are 10 Tafahim high, so that becomes the border of the city, even though it's far out. Now, whenever we're talking, I should point out, and it, it, the pictures are very accurate when it comes to this, uh, it's got to be within 70 and two-thirds of the, of the city. Which means, uh, like we'll see in a moment, I'll show you a different picture as well. Which means, once that dilapidated house is more than 72-thirds out of the city, so they're ready, it's not connected. It has to be always within 70 and two-thirds. And then, because that's the, within the carpet for the city, and then you draw the line from the end of that, that house. Now, 
the Gemara is going to analyze what exactly that structure looks like. We know that the walls have to be ten tefahim. So comes the Gemara and says, comes Gemara and says, my gedudiyot. What is this deen of gedudiyot of these uh, you know this broken house, this structure? Oh, very good. Right, you see that in picture number one eighty nine. Okay. So we, the, the picture has like, it looks like what, three walls? Okay, four walls without a roof. That's what it looks like in the picture. So the Gemara says, Mike Dudiot, Amaravuna, Shalosh Mechitzot, She'en Alehem Tikra. Even three walls without a roof on it, that's considered a structure that you can count your Tehum from there. So comes the Gemara and says, Ibayilehu, Shtem Mechitzot, Viesh Alehem Tikra Mahu. What about two Mechitzot with a roof? Maybe that's considered like three without a roof. So it comes again what says, Tashema, come and hear, come and listen. Elu The following items, The following items give you an extension to the city. Now, common denominator between all these items, it has to be for residency. It has to be for somebody basically living there. So these items, the following structures that we're going to list now, can be considered an extension to the city. Number one, nefesh sheyesh ba arba amot al arba amot. The nefesh is the the cemetery. Exactly. If you look at picture one ninety one ninety, right? There's a cemetery at the end of the city. You have the nefesh. That was that little structure above the grave that the shomer, that the watchman used to sit in from time to time. So that is the, considered the border of the sea, which means you make the line from that uh, cemetery, it's from that grave itself, that's called a nefesh, okay? Ve'hageshir, okay, geshir is a bridge. Now we're talking about a bridge that has a enclosed area on top of it, that the tax collector would sit on top of it, in order to collect the tolls. So therefore that's at the end of the city, so you count it from the geshir. Ve'hakever sheyesh ba betdira. Or for that matter, a, uh, a cemetery itself that has a bedira, okay? Which means that would, that would probably be, uh, do we have a, a picture like that? No, but the cemetery itself sometimes has the bedira, a house in there where the shomer of the cemetery is in there. So you start it from there. Or the synagogue that has a room in there that the shamosh lives in. So then already, the synagogue is considered a bedira. Normally a synagogue is not considered a bedira. People don't live in the synagogue. But if the synagogue is built with a house in it, with a room in it, I should say, where the hazan, where the shamosh lives, so then you can count the synagogue. If it's on the border, that synagogue is considered a house, and therefore you extend the border from the synagogue. Next. Ubet avodat kochavim. Or for that matter, a... Like a church will call it of Avodat Kukhavim, Shiyesh Babit Dira Kumarim. That has, let's say, a an area where the priests live in. So that's also considered now a house, and therefore you count it the border from there. Vehaavorot. Veha orvat. That would be the stables where the horses are. Vehaotsrochibasade or the storage houses in the field. In both cases we're talking about where you have the watchmen of the stable that's there, or the people of the, uh, you know, storage are watching their goods out there, the wine or whatever it is. So that's considered a betira. They have burganim shebetocha. Burganim betocha would be, let's say, the huts that are in those areas. They build like, let's say, temporary huts in order to watch the, um, 
their goods, right in the middle of the field. Now, for that matter, let's say you have a house that's on the island. Again, that she tells you it's within 70 and two-thirds of the city limits. Okay, all these items of common denominator. It's bit dira, border of the city, extends the city. The following items do not extend the city. Common denominator between all these items, they do not have dira. Nefesh shenifritza mishteru choteha ilach ilach. Oh, the structure on the grave, that two of its walls came down. Uh, so right away, here's where we're going to discuss the issue of two walls with a roof. So now we're discussing over here, it's not considered a structure if two walls came down and all you have left is two walls. Now, let's finish the statement and we'll go back because this is right away where the question is going to come from. Continue. A roof or the cemetery that does not have a dwelling in them, therefore you cannot count them. That's the stable. A cistern. That's a round uh, cistern in the ground. That's like a rectangular ditch. A cave. Or a gate. And a dovecote. That's the nest for the doves. That's inside. Or a room that's in a boat. Now even though the room in the boat technically is for dwelling, the Hadush is, it moves. Which we said it only to be considered a border, it has to be within 70 and two-thirds of the city. But since the houseboat constantly moves in and out of the 70 and two-thirds, Amma, you cannot count that as the, as the border. Good, now we get to the anal- analyzing. But we have a partial quotation of this statement. If you have the house on top of the, uh, on the grave, that the walls were breached on both sides, so it's not considered anymore a betira. My love, the ikatikra. Must be talking where you have a roof. Right? Two walls on a roof, and still you're telling me, it's so that answers our question. Our question was on the dilapidated house outside the city, that you told me what? Three walls, no roof is considered a, uh, an extension. However, we wanted to know, what about two walls plus a roof? Here's your proof. If on the top of this grave, you had two walls that came down, even though you had a roof, it's telling you, no good. So that's the answer. It's not considered betira. Kebra says, la, who told you? There's no roof. Who told you when we said in the Draita, two walls broke down, so you just have two walls left. Who told you you have two walls and a roof? Maybe I'll tell you the reason why it's not a dira, because it's two walls without the roof. But in the kind of, if you had the roof, it would be considered a betira. So we have no proof from that statement. That should be pointed out. Granted, in that dilapidated house, nobody's living either. But since it was built for dira purposes, it is, has a deen of... Betira to extend the... See, that's the way the Mephashim explained. Now, Bayit Shibayam, you told me that if you have a house on the island, or a house in the Yam, right? Like on the, the, the island, we said, well, it's considered Betira. So the Gemara says, Lemai Hazeh. Which is, what, what do they do in this house that's on the 
island. What's the, it's not a house on a boat, it's a house that's on an island. Who's, who's going to this house that's on the island? It's really only, really people just go to, on boats over there. They don't really use the house. No, they use the house. Which is the people that are on the boats, they store their vessels in that house that's on the island. They don't live there, but it's enough for them to store their goods there to consider it Bet vira. Even though they don't live there, but they use it for storage for the boat people, so that's considered already an extension to the city. Next, you told me a cave is not considered something that will extend the borders of the city. Kebaras is that so? What do you mean? We said that a cave indeed does extend. No, we're talking about where there was a house in front of the in front of the cave. So the Gemara says, "You're talking about a, a house or a structure in front of the cave. It's nothing to do with the cave, then." So the Gemara says, "Ve'tipu klei mishum binyan gufeh." So it's the binyan that's doing it. It's not the cave. So why are you tell me me'arat? It's not the me'arat. It's the house that's in front of the cave. So the Gemara says, "The Lord siri kal dehashlim." We're talking about where the structure in front of the house, in front of the cave, did not have four amot on four amot. The minimum structure has to be four amot on four amot. It was, let's say, three amot. But with the cave, the cave fills it to four amot. So therefore, it's a conjunction between the cave and the structure. That's what points out that the structure has to have the majority. That's why I gave a case of three amot from the structure and one amot from the cave. So there, that's the case over there where... Con- in conjunction, it'll be considered a border. Now, we continue. Amar Ravuna, Yoshvet Sidifin. Let's say you have a city made of huts. Just till now, we're talking about a city of homes. Let's say you have uh, an area, we have a bunch of huts. So the Gemara says, En modedin lahen ela That's not considered a city. A city, when we talk about city, has to have houses. Structures of solid wood or stone. A city that's made out of huts, they can only ca- uh, uh, start their ca- uh, walking on Shabbat from their, from their doorstep. Which means, you don't get the, you don't make a square around the whole Sarif community, and then you're able to carry from the, you know, from the borders of the, of the, of the city. No. It goes from the house. That's not considered a city. Alright? So it comes to Gebrad says, Mativ Rav Chazda. The Gebrad is now going to ask a question on this from the way they lived in the Midbab. In the Bidbad, they didn't live in permanent structures. They lived in huts. And we're going to show you that from one end to the other end of the Mahaneh Yisrael was much more than 2,000 Amma. And we're going to learn that the people from one end of the Mahaneh, of the Jewish people in the Bidbad, when they used to go to the bathroom, they used to walk from one end of the Mahaneh all the way to the end which was 8,000 amma. Meaning, you must have considered the entire Mahaneh like one city, even though it was made up of huts. So therefore, the Gebrad, what do you tell me that huts don't form a city? We see here what? That huts indeed do form, because otherwise, you would not be allowed to walk 8,000 amma. And it must be we consider it all one. You're going to ask me a question. What do we need? I went to the bathroom in the Midbar. So there's different opinions. Some opinions say they indeed did go to the bathroom in the Midbar. Some say that after they complained about the man, so then already, Borel, that's what you're complaining. Now the man is not going to totally absorb in your system anymore. Now it's going to, you're going to have to have waste. Some say that they went to the bathroom, not from the man, because the man did absorb in their system, but they also ate from 
the neighboring uh, cities. Sometimes they brought them out food and things like that. So the stuff that they bought from the neighboring cities as they were traveling, that stuff actually did have waste. In any event, the Gemara's question is like this. Mativ brought a question. The Jewish people camped in the Midbar from the Yarden from Bet Shimot at Bet Ha'avir. That's the that's the borders. I saw that place where the Jewish people encamped in the Midbar. It is three parse, which again is 8,000 ama long. By three, by three parse. And it says, when they had to go to the bathroom, they would not go in front of the Mahane. Although they would go to the side, because the Halakha said they were not allowed to go to the bathroom in a place where the Anan, the cloud of glory, and the Aron eventually would be. The Anan and the Aron travels forward. So if they're going to go forward to the, to the bathroom to relieve themselves, not Kavod. The, the Aron is going to be in that spot soon. They're going to travel forward. Now if they go to the sides, it's also a problem because it could be they're going to make a turn. The only place to know the Aron is not going and the Anan is backwards. So they, what they have to do, a guy in the front of the Mahanes will go all the way to the back of the Mahanes. So the Gibra says, They have to walk to the back. Now, if you're walking to the back, you're walking 8,000 amah on Shabbat. What happens to Tum? Ela, what do you say? That it's considered all Arba Amot. Oh, but where were they living? They were living in huts. I thought you told me that huts are not considered in Eir. Amar le Ravah. So Ravah comes along and says that's a big difference. Digle Midbar ka Amart. Well, you're asking me a question from Digle Midbar, from the people that were in the Midbar? Kevan Dikhtiv Behu. Since the way they traveled was from by God, like God told them to travel, and God told them to stop. I mean, the cloud of glory was guiding them. That's considered a significant community, a significant area. And therefore, even if they're living in huts, it doesn't matter. Which means, normally, a community of huts, it's not an ear. But Klai Yisrael, since they traveled by God, that already is considered makom hashuv. We, we overlook the way they were living. Since they were traveling by the word of God, that is already different. A regular hutted community, no, you don't care. So each guy gets the 2,000 amount from his house. Here, that already is considered, considered like I said, a significant uh, 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 dwelling, and therefore not in the structure they're dwelling, but who was causing them to travel and stop, that's God, therefore it's considered all for Amot. Amar Rav Hinena Bar Rav Kahana. Amar Rav Asheh. Im yesham shalosh chatserot shel shne batim hukbe'u. If in that community that has the huts, if in it you have three chatserot, Three courtyards with two houses in each courtyard, that already is considered now a city. Which means the minimum to be considered a city is three courtyards, two houses in each courtyard, meaning six, six permanent homes. Now, I don't care if all around it you have huts. The huts are considered now in a city. And therefore, the guys living in the huts do not have to only count their 2,000 from the door, they can actually count it from the end of the city itself, and therefore they have an extended area of the 2,000. When did we say huts do not form a city? When it's all huts. But if you have permanent structures in that area, you count it from the 
permanent structure, and they are also considered in an ayir. Comes the Gemara and continues. Amarav Yehuda Amarav. Yoshvet Sirifin, people that live in huts, meaning they, you know, they're, they're, they're in the uh, fields, because they work like, uh, like uh, Bedouins, exactly. These, uh, she says these are people that work with cattle, and uh, you know, they're always going from place to place in the field where there's grazing. So they live in one place for a month, then they move to a different place and you know, create their structure again, until the uh, grazing runs out, and they're always on the move. So it says, these people, they hold midbariyot. And those people that travel in the midbar, right? they, they travel in the desert, that's where they have to travel. Hayehen enam hayim. Their life is not a life. And their wives and their children are not theirs. So the Gemara is going to explain what does this mean? Their life is not a life and their wife and children are not theirs. Tanya and the will be to support this. Those people that live in these huts that travel in the desert all day long, like the Bedouins, that she says, they're like dead people. They have no pleasure in life. They're exposed to the elements. They're in the field all day long. It's hot, it's raining on them, there's winds. They have no life. And they have no protection because they're living in these little huts. And regarding their children, it is said, Arur Shochev in Kol Behema. Cursed is the person that cohabitates with a Behema. So what are you talking about? Why would you say that? The Gemara is going to tell us that their children are usually Mamzerim. Why? Ula said, because these people in the Midbar, they travel with their wives, let's say. But what happens? They do not have Minhasa'ot, they do not have bathhouses. So, in the middle of the Midbar. So, when the husband wants to go to clean himself in the bathhouse, he has to go far away. So, therefore, he leaves his wife there alone. What happens? She's going to go now and commit znut. And therefore, once she commits znut, that's adultery. And now the child that she has is going to be a mamzer. So therefore, that's what we meant to say, their wives are not their wives, because they're being violated by others, and their children are not their children. Because living in such an area, they leave their wives for a long period of time in order to go to the minhasaot, rashi. Four lines on the bottom, she'en na'em minhasaot. Ve'ulchim b'mkom lahok, l'hots. Ve'noshetehem n'skakot l'mina'afim. And the wives get subject to the adulterers, the fisha'id azuba me'en ish, because they're living in isolated areas, so there's no men around. So therefore, the men can go now and commit avon to these ladies uh, when the men are going far away to the men hatsa'ot. That's Ula's understanding why their children are not theirs and their wives are not theirs. Rabbi Yohanan Amar, He says differently. He says, since there's no mikveh, for the ladies locally in the Midbar. So the ladies have to go, let's say, a little outside of the area to go to the Mikveh. Now, they don't want to go alone because it's scary. So what do they do? Before they go to the Mikveh, they call their friend in order to go with them. Now, if you have some Rasha that hears this conversation going on, he knows that the ladies now are going to go to this isolated area 
to go to the mikveh, so he follows them. And therefore, when they get to the mikveh, he commits the avon. And therefore, nishotehem and amshelahem, ubnehem and amshelahem. Though their children are not there, because it's the same case of mamzirim. So the she'ela is, what makes the znut over here? Is it the fact that there's no bathhouses, so the husbands have to go far and leave their wives, or is there no mikvaot? So therefore, the ladies go far, and they call their friends, and that signals the, the rasha to go trail them in that isolated area. So the Gemara says, my benayu, what's the practical halakha between the two opinions? Which means if you have a river that is close to the house, or close to the area. Now, a river can serve as a mikveh, but it does not serve as a minhats, because the river was dirty. So the people will not use it as a minhats. So if you have the river there, so it's, it's not a problem, because the ladies would not have to call out to their neighbor. They weren't scared, they would just go dip in the nah. So you wouldn't have a problem of znut. But if you say the reason is bathhouse, even if you have a river next to them, still, you're going to have a problem that the husband going to have to leave their wives in order to go far off to the bathhouse, and still, what's going to happen? They're going to be subject to minafim, and therefore, the Gemara is basically saying over here, it is a troubling situation. You see from the Gemara over here, how uh, a person has to be uh, careful, and yandi, uh, the tzini'ut. She's here ready, these people were with their wives, and still because they traveled, and left them alone for uh, elongated periods of time. Hashem, it led to palms of Zinu. Baruch Amen. Amen.